what you turn off absolutely is, is just as important, arguably, as anything that you're turning on. Hello and welcome. I'm Rob Levitt and you're listening to C-Suite Marketing, expert conversations on executive engagement. C-Suite Marketing is brought to you by our friends at Boardroom Insiders, a business intelligence platform that makes executive engagement easier than ever. Learn more at boardroominsiders.com. Learn more about this podcast at itsma.com. You'll find today's show notes, other episodes of C-Suite Marketing, and all sorts of other research and insight on executive engagement. And please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Now for today's show. I'm here today with Marlo Fenny, head of account-based marketing at FireEye. Marlo, welcome. Thanks for joining the conversation. Hey, Rob. Great to see you again. And I really uh, appreciate the time and uh, always love the partnership. Yeah, likewise. Likewise. So let's just start with tell us a little bit about your current role and focus. Sure. So I'm uh, the senior ABM leader here at FireEye. And um, essentially, I'm driving all the ABM programs across right now, America's and expanding globally for a one to few sort of approach. Um, and there's a, obviously a huge component on the uh, executive engagement side, because what we're basically trying to do is we have at FireEye a great uh, mind share with all the security geeks in the world, because we know more about the bad guys than anybody. And a big piece of my charter is really just to get us to the next level of engagement with all the C-level folks that currently don't pay attention to us. So it's not just the CISOs that you would expect, but it's the CIOs and the general counsels and even the CEOs and, and some other new roles we'll talk about later to really go engage. And, and that's sort of what I do now. I also built the ABM practice at Cisco and uh, it's important background as we kind of have this discussion because I've also met with literally, you know, hundreds, thousands of C-level executives at all the Cisco events that I used to run. And frankly, you know, travel the world at all the events, basically meeting with all the C-level execs and have a lot of fun, you know, stories to tell from that as well. Right. No, that's great. So um, love to, you know, as we go, let's get into this intersection between account-based marketing and executive engagement, I think overlapping, but not entirely the same and, and often in companies, different programs. Um, so let me, let me start though with just a basic question. Executive engagement traditionally has relied heavily on face-to-face. Yep. So, you know, you're going, you're having meetings, you're doing yep. VIP dinners, you're all doing those, executive all, all those entertaining things, indeed. Yeah. Right. Just you're bringing them little. to the U.S. Open. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So let me, before we get into the now, mm-hmm. um, let me just ask you, uh, before, uh, how would you describe some of just the general keys to success? Before the current situation, the, the keys to success had a lot to do with really active listening and becoming a, you know, quote unquote, trusted advisor. And we have to be careful, you know, not to overuse that term by, by listening really carefully to what those executives are looking for. But of course, like any other sort of, you know, I don't know, training sport you want to talk about, you really had to do your research. So you just can't walk in and, and sort of ad lib. You had to do a lot of research. And, and a lot of what I've done in the past is let's go make sure that we understand 
a very clear landscape for that account. What are the business initiatives? Who on the executive team is responsible for those business initiatives? What added value can we bring at a really you know, strong level to help them advance on those business initiatives? I know this is all ABM 101, but you have to have those basics in place before you even venture into this whole you know, adventure um, because without that, you know, you're, you're basically, you're, you're gonna come off as, you know, disingenuous because you're not gonna really bring any value to the table. Yeah, you're wasting my time. Exactly. But you still also then had to get attention, get commitment to attend something, to take the meeting. So we did a lot of partnerships with the salespeople, both at Cisco and here at FireEye, to kind of bring those folks in. So there was clearly a lot of value. And, and an example is benchmarking, right? And we talked about this in some of our previous conversations. But for example, at, at Cisco, we had a benchmarking report that we could offer to every executive about where their entire you know, infrastructure sat relative to their peers and or their competitors. Right. Now, you know, that already has some insights that you wouldn't be able to present as another company because you don't have that level of, you know, whatever granularity, visibility, that market view. So that's a really good starting point here at FireEye. It's a little bit different. We, like I said, know more about the bad guys than anybody. So we have very strategic intelligence about all the threat actors out there that we can provide that gets a lot of, um, you know, attention and visibility for, you know, even C-level executives who are having to meet with their boards on a monthly basis or quarterly basis to say, hey, we're covered or we're not, and here's the risk and, you know, play that whole mitigation game. Yeah, and I would imagine given, you know, the disruption and all of us moving to mostly virtual, at least for a while, you've got some interesting opportunity now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, at the risk of sounding too opportunistic or ambulance chasing, there's, there's so much more threat actor activity that's been happening that that sort of raised the profile another whole level. And clearly, given the um, liability pieces of that, the, the C-suite all the way around is very hyper-focused on this area. And, and then kind of getting into sort of the, the dynamic, there's a real opportunity to go in, again, on the benchmarking basis uh, and as a strategic advisor and, and kind of get some alignment happening between people that may not necessarily agree. So a good example is the CIO and the CISO have different perspectives. And I'm going to sort of, you know, polarize this a little bit for exaggerate for illustration purposes. Sure. But traditionally, the CIO is the, you know, kind of mad scientist who's continually doing all of these amazing things to, you know, digitally innovate and, and, and all that and bring the company to the next level. And the, the CISO is the goalie, if you will, that says, you know, hold on a sec. I'm not going to, you know, allow this because it's going to open us up to too many risks. And so there's this interplay that happens. And so what we're able to do is come in as an advisor and say, well, what does good look like as we try to balance these needs? And how do we put that on a more objective scale, for lack of a better term? How do we create that compromise that really puts everybody in a win-win situation as opposed to, you know, on opposite sides of, a, of an issue? Right. So both of those roles are top priority for you, CIO and Chief Information Security Officer, both of their worlds have been rocked. Amen. Yes. Right? Yes. So how are you approaching them differently or just in this new context? Sure. So their worlds have been rocked for, you know, let's just take an example, telecommuting, right? So 
Um, four months ago, there were probably 70% of the people that worked in an office. And literally within you know, a very short period of time, they had to support telecommuting initiatives for virtually everybody. Okay, now that means that they basically had to either move to the cloud faster, build out their WAN, um, you know, turn on all sorts of remote services they didn't have before within a very short span of time. And so that, that was sort of like the, you know, to use a football analogy, that was like the two minute drill, you know, at the end of the game where they really had to be on it together and, and really partner in ways that they hadn't partnered before. And so that's going on at every organization. And what did we do again, at the risk of sounding opportunistic, we put our CIO and CISO together in a very sort of candid, you know, one to few set of meetings with our C-suite executive customers to illustrate and be very candid about what that situation is. Because so, you had to go through it too. Uh, we had to go through it. And so we basically just created a, you know, an advisor right. council, whatever you want to call it, to, to illustrate that and share those best practices with all of our uh, you know, C-suite friends. And again, this is active listening. It's, it's back you know, to them providing some feedback as well on what they're doing and sharing those executive perspectives. So really, really useful. And I know you and I, Marlo, have had these conversations. The near-term focus with this pandemic and the, and the shift has been, how do we just provide value to our existing customers, make sure they're whole, do what we can to help. Yes. You know, and you are particularly because of the company on the front lines of that. So now let's look ahead a little bit, um, you know, and I'm sure a lot of your clients are still dealing with that because it's a huge transition, but they are starting to look ahead to a different way of working. You know, maybe some of them go back to the office, but not all of them. It's a different environment. How are you now starting to talk with the executives at your clients about this next phase? So it's, it's kind of interesting because, you know, the, there was this, um, you know, oh, crikey phase of the COVID piece. And, and, and that already created a whole set of um, reactions. And then people started to, you know, adjust to that being sort of the new normal. And, and I would say now that a majority of folks are, are, are in that group now and, and we're good, right? We're kind of past the, the, the hype phase, if you want to call it that. Yeah. And now yeah. as we look at kind of what's coming next with going back to um, everybody's on a different, you know, piece of that continuum, a different stage. So now what you have to do is go look at where each of those people, executives, you know, with their companies are, depending on, again, case by case for an ABM um, basis, you know, where they sit. So, for example, you know, we've had people on our executive engagement series where they're actually looking at going back into the office at a 30% rate over the next two to three months. So, so what does that mean from how we go engage them? Well, we're going to go start having our salespeople go, you know, engage them face to face at that point. But there's a whole bunch of them that are continuing, obviously, to, to drive this, uh, you know, on a virtual basis. And, and I think that's going to be at least for, I would say, the next through the end of the year, probably uh, 70 to 80 percent um, level of engagement that we're going to get through that. So we're, we're trying to make sure that we drive our engagement mix, if you will, accordingly. And what I mean by that is that there are literally monthly events that we have that we're building momentum on these roundtables I was mentioning with those execs and we keep re-inviting them, right? But we're also augmenting that with in-person stuff for the folks that are going back to the office, but also 
in parallel, um, making sure that we add the value, not just for those execs, but for their teams and, and, and essentially driving content to them that's high value that they can then share with their teams as they start to you know go back to work. And so I could Perfect. geek out on what that looks like, but we'll stop there. We'll be back after a very quick break. Enjoying the podcast? Want to learn more about C-Suite marketing? Send us a comment and we'll add you to a drawing to win a copy of my colleague Bev Burgess's book, Executive Engagement Strategies, How to Have Conversations and Develop Relationships that Build B2B Business. Okay, now back to the show. one of the, the first things you said in this conversation was kind of the 101. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to understand the executives, their companies, their agendas, their issues, you know, so that you can have a focused and intelligent conversation. You know, that's squared now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it changed dramatically. And now it's continuing to change very quickly. So I'm curious on the intelligence and insight gathering side of this. Yes. How are you managing that? How do you keep up with what yeah. the executives you're trying to reach are going through and need? Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a great question, Rob, because it's an ongoing challenge and the roller coaster is only getting faster, right? Right, <laughs> so, right. So essentially the, the, the basics of this are we have a, an agency that develops a set of reports for us. And, and I actually had a custom one made um, that's about six pages. And it, it's a simple mapping of what are the business initiatives for this company? What, who are the executives responsible for those initiatives? And you know what are their key performance indicators relative to their peers in the industry? So that we understand that, that whole business context going in. And then of course, what do we do? We map in all the intent pieces that we have. So getting back to what's current. So here's the, here's the foundation, you know, of where they're doing, you know, their business and where their value is and mm-hmm. where you know, we can, we can interleave into that. And then here's the intent piece of exactly what they're paying attention to now. And that's, that gets really interesting, not only from a, what's, what, what can we build with them, but there's also some competitive insights that become really um, right. uh, eye-openers, if you will, for the, for the <laughs> sales leaders, for, for example. And then we marry those two together into a set of conversations that we have with those executives. And again, it's always a conversation. It's always active listening, but it's tying those things together. And, we, and this takes, again, a lot of practice. We have you know, what I call batting practice. There are regular conversations that we do um, with the sales teams to make sure that we're you know, up to speed on this. And, and our good friend Gemma Davies from ServiceNow has you know, told us stories about bringing, flying in you know, pre-COVID the entire virtual team associated with any one account to drive that level of engagement and conversations to prep, to do the groundwork, to actually right. deliver that executive value. And so we're doing a virtual version of that with, um, you know, with our folks, but all that prep work is critical for then being able to actively listen to exactly what initiative right. those execs are facing and what you can do to create that value next. And that fits into the interplay piece. Right. 
No, that's great. And, and I'm wondering, even the basic profiles that you talked about as the foundation, you probably need to update those more often. Absolutely. Absolutely. So quarterly at least. Um, yeah. And, and the caution here, you know, kind of in the what not to do is for a company our size, FireEye, we, we just don't have, we only have, you know, two and a half people doing ABM. We don't have the resources to do a deep vertical program. And our and there's a risk for our AMs to come off and us, frankly, to come off as dilettantes by trying to go too deep down the vertical path. There, the initiatives that I'm talk, talking about are company by company in true ABM one-to-one fashion. And then you're looking for the lookalikes, right? But yeah. it's important to understand as sort of a warning to folks because a lot of people will say, well, we can just do this from a vertical basis. No, you know, time out, just be careful there. And, you know, don't, don't drift into that sort of, you know, peanut butter approach because um, a lot of folks have, have, you know, come off as being disingenuous again with our customers by taking that approach. No, and I, I, I love that you said that, Milo, because I think it's, you know, one of the most important values of account-based marketing is especially in a crisis or in a disruption because you can have two giant global banks that really look alike in so many ways, yep. but their immediate situations and how they're responding to it can be yep. radically different. Yep. yep, absolutely. And I won't name the customers, but you know, a couple yeah. of the biggest banks in, you know, in the New York metro area, one of them <laughs> has you know, just a huge number of programmers and they're all about digitization. And, and, and that creates a whole different set of you know, security challenges, if you will, than Another bank that's much more, you know, customer experienced focus around, you know, one to one high value clients that, you know, look a little bit different. So, again, right. you have to be very sensitive to those. Okay. Now, I want to talk a little more kind of programmatically, you know, sure. some of the different ways that you engage. And, and one of the things that we've always seen in research that ITSMA does with executive decision makers is that they want to engage with you with mm-hmm. solution providers for a variety of reasons, mm-hmm. right? Some of them, obviously you're sure. an That's important good. partner. And so it's about, you know, ongoing work, right? But then it's thought leadership, it's education, it's trends, it's issues and, or it's mm-hmm. the peer networking. You're able to convene groups of their peers, right? Some of it is, you're providing them a platform for their own visibility or exposure. Now with face to face, you can do a lot of those different things with different kinds of activities. They're not all quite as easy virtually. Agreed. So I'm curious how you're thinking about that. I mean, the, the, obviously the client relationship and the work, that's maybe the easiest. Right. Um, Some of the others, maybe not quite as easy. Yeah, so so you bring up a good point, Rob, in terms of some people are looking for a little bit more, again, visibility, right? And, and then there's other people that are just the opposite. They're very low profile and, and by extension, traditionally very hard to get to. But they're also, you know, typically the ones that are very valuable, right? The most important. <laughs> the most important, exactly. Yeah. So there's a couple little tricks that I'll share with the team that are, that are right. kind of interesting, right? So there's obviously an omni-channel engagement that happens, right? So there's digital ads that are targeted at these very specific people 
that are, you know, for example, co-logoed our stuff and their stuff so that they, and they're, it's out where they live, not where they're not, we're not asking them to come to our.com so that, that it's, again, where, where they're looking for information. And you'd be surprised at how many people are looking if you really take the time to do the research, the heavy lifting to get to that. The other thing is around using your salespeople as your channel. There's a lot of information that we are sending with or on behalf of our reps to these senior level executives that they're actually paying attention to. And you don't know that unless you have the right technology. So, you know, another shameless follows plug here, but, <laughs> but it really does, but it really does help the reps and us understand who's paying attention and who's not yeah. where if they're just sending out even one-to-one emails to a CISO or a CIO or a general counselor or whatever, yeah. and they're not getting a response back, it's a black hole as far as they're concerned. But now if you're tokening, if you want to call it that, you know, everything that you send out and they do happen to open it, you have that visibility. So it may not look like much, but that's a little, you know, crack through the door. And that is again, opening up that, for more in-person and more one-to-one types of events. And then it's a matter of discovery. So, you know, then, then you're going to get into, are the business initiatives that I have, right? Are they resonating, et cetera? So yeah. back to your, you know, how does that work for, you know, uh, virtual versus in-person, as you move up that ladder, if you will, the face-to-face is going to happen after you've got so much of your prep work done that you can actually have a meaningful consultative conversation, but, but you've got 50 steps to get from here to there and they're daunting, but that's what you got to do if you're going to play at that level. Right. Absolutely. Um, and that actually raises another question I'd love to, to get your thoughts on, which is enablement for your sellers. Now, again, historically, that's often been a challenge. Some mm-hmm. sellers are really comfortable in the C-suite mm-hmm. and some are mm-hmm. not even the ones that maybe were comfortable physically in the C-suite, maybe they're not now comfortable virtually. So I'm curious about any enablement or training or support you're doing now. It's so funny. It's one of those part-time jobs that's more than full-time. <laughs> right. So, so, so enablement, and I'll talk about it from a Cisco and a FireEye perspective because I think sure. it's relevant in both cases, yeah. right? So, so at, at, at Cisco, because we had such, you know, mind share and market share, getting a C-level engagement was easier, frankly, um, because of the name recognition and all the other stuff, right? But that being said, you still had to create that unique value. And there was a heck of a lot of enablement, more than you would expect, to make sure that those reps could have that C-level, business-level initiative conversation. And that was essentially done by again, mapping, benchmarking everybody and tying into business initiatives and looking at what they did and did and did not have and putting that through their sort of, you know, innovation cycle where they were on the leader laggard side and marrying all that stuff together into something that was comprehensive. And that all became the, you know, the keys to the enablement process. Now, there was a bunch of- Let me just interrupt you for one second, Marlo, because it actually reminds me another, I think, mutual friend of ours uh, from Cisco, Mm-hmm. talked about your Cisco, it's not hard to get a meeting at the C-level, mm-hmm. but it's hard to get the second meeting. Yes, absolutely. And that's exactly. where that performance absolutely. is so yeah. critical. That's right. And that's, again, why the business value benchmarking and right. all those other things are really what's happening. And, and that's where the co-creation 
the dialogue yeah. happens at the sea level to say, here are some things, and, and this is where, again, with that sample size, you can bring in some great innovations from their peers, and not just obviously in the industry, but elsewhere. And this is the thing that we do, right? We go and play tic-tac-toe, for lack of a better term, in true ABM fashion, with all the business initiatives across a whole bunch of industries, and then start to cross-pollinate, right? This, which is another reason why I started to guard against the vertical side of things. So then let's fast forward to FireEye. So FireEye is a little bit different on the enablement side of things. You know, we have some rockstar salespeople, in fact, some Cisco people that I'm good friends with, but they need a little bit more. They're such security geeks and not in a bad way because that's where we have our expertise, our value, oh. our generation. But, but you've got to take that and crystallize it into an executive level conversation. And, and so it's always about how are we tying the business initiatives back into exactly you know, where our differentiation is from a platform perspective, not a product perspective. And again, this is ABM 101, but it's, it's just one of those, it's a muscle that you have to build like training for anything else. So there are literally you know, monthly updates that I do with every single rep about tying all this together. And, and they already know how to go read a 10K and all that stuff, right? They, they do some yeah. basic research, but this is where being an ABM are coming back again to those reports I was mentioning a minute ago coming to the table with real insights that they don't necessarily have. And again, the intent data is another one. That's going to give you the context where you can build something together and really create a partnership between sales and marketing, a la, you know, really great ABM, as opposed to, you know, being, you know, the event short order cooks or whatever. Right. Well, and it's, and it's, it's the soft skills too. You mentioned at the very beginning, the active listening, yeah. you know, and sometimes I think we have a tendency you know, I do a lot of work on thought leadership, and I think one of the trickiest challenges for marketing and sales and, and companies around thought leadership is this balance between I'm the expert, I know everything, right. and the reality that you don't, right. and, but also just the personal dynamics of this should be a conversation and a collaboration, not a speech. Yeah. Yeah, it, you know, it's, it's a great point, Rob. And, and this is where, you know, sort of a la Karate Kid or whatever, you really need to slow down. And, and, and that's, you know, I know that's implicit in active listening, but, but it's so easy, especially if you've been a company for a long time or you're the expert, back to your point, to just immediately go into your talk track, right? You just, that, like the right. tape recorder, you know, <laughs> speech goes on. And right. so, so if you stop and pause and, and, and take the time to, First of all, you know, synthesize all of those BIs, business initiatives that we talked about, but then really get the nuance in that conversation with that exec that you would miss if you're not really, you know, listening to the point of this is what's critical for me. And, and then you have to look at it from a couple of different perspectives. Is this an opportunity based? Uh, am I am I actually innovating? Yeah. You know, help like, what innovate? kind of conversation are we even having? Exactly. <laughs> Or, or on, you know, again, on the security side of things, you know, what am I, what's keeping me up at night? And these are really obvious questions, but, but everybody is going to sit on that sort of leader lagger curve at a different place. And that has to be an important piece of context because, and again, this plays into that, you know, CIO, CISO, you know, dynamic that I was just talking about. There's different personalities. There's, you know, there are different concerns, but you have to be the person that synthesizes, marries those together into a creative you know, engaging yeah. dialogue based on those, those business initiatives. Okay. All right. So we have just a couple of minutes left. I want to get at one of the thornier issues around executive engagement, 
which is the orchestration and coordination of all of the different programs and interactions that you're having from marketing, the sellers are having, your own executives are having, delivery people are having, and you're trying to create a consistent experience and approach without overwhelming people. So how are you, and, and, and again, now everything's moving faster, Yep. You know, yep. and a lot of what we've been talking about is we need to do more of this and more of this and more of this. <laughs> yeah, more, 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 more. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. So how are you, how do you try to orchestrate that and, and manage that overall process? Sure. So, so I call this a signal to noise ratio, right? And, and, and clearly as the, the whole, you know, situation that we're in has accelerated, everything is hyper digital for lack of a better term. And, and so these, these key executives that are, you know, essentially everybody's going after them are, are just being hammered with all, all sorts of things, right? And so you've got to really crystallize that value, again, back to the BIs and active listening, yeah. that, um, that are going to be clear for them to cut through that noise. And then back to the orchestration piece, you've got to manage the noise within your own organization because you don't have control over what all your competitors and everybody else in the industry is saying. Right. But again, back to the slowing down, you can stop and really pause. And, you know, there's these old commercials on whispering, right? You, <laughs> it's, not, it, it's not, you know, how much you say, it's how resonant what you're saying is. So back to the orchestration, essentially what we're doing is we're being really careful to make sure that, for example, on the global marketing perspective, the only thing they're doing is thought leadership of those folks. We're not sending, you know, product pitches and all that other stuff, right? Right. You're turning stuff off. Turning stuff off. What you turn off absolutely is, is right. just as important, arguably, as anything that you're turning on. And then back to all of those business initiatives and everything else, that's actually getting orchestrated from an omni-channel experience perspective. So... They're not going to our .com. They're going to our personalized sites that have their business initiatives, their logos, you know, our sales rep on the front end of that whole thing. And that happens both outbound as well as inbound. And everything is, you know, sort of a co-created. So I know the joint logos is sort of old and trite, but it's sort of, you know, that's, that's a yep. place to start. And then everything gets measured from... Who are the execs that we know and already have a great relationship? And this is where having a champion in the account is critical. In fact, that's one of our requirements. We don't let anybody into the ABM program if you don't already have a champion in that account. Because if you don't, then you're not going to be able to ladder up to those execs, frankly. So back to the orchestration piece, we actually get graded on not only, you know, so we have a target list, clearly, of, of who those execs are, but how many of those folks did we reach? How many times did they engage? And then we essentially, that's one of our KPIs. And again, you, you, you can't manage what you can't see. So, you know, we're, we have a lot of visibility into that. And so literally there's just a giant, enormous matrix of who do you know and not know? Who are we going after next? What are the business initiatives that are resonating with them? I know this is ABCs. It's just a critical discipline that you have to have. And, you know, I, I, I shudder to think how much time I send in Excel. Well, that's the thing, because it's doing it consistently at any kind of scale with high quality. Yep. Because that's, yep. you know, the executives we're trying to reach are not very forgiving often. No, it's a great point, Rob. And, and you know, the, the fact that we have this ongoing series of exec events and, and the same execs keep coming back like three times, we're, we're okay, great. We, we've hit a nerve. We know we're doing something right. But then there's the other side of it. So back to the more, more, more. 
yeah. we're now becoming, you know, for lack of a better term, victims of our own success because we've got arguably too many people. So, you know, you haven't asked me, but I'll volunteer. If you're trying to get more than, you know, 10 executives in the same room and, and sort of orchestrate that conversation, 20 on the outside, you're, you're, again, your, your noise ratio is going to go up. Yeah. So, so that's a hard conversation I've had with my leadership to say, you know what, this is not necessarily about the number of executive engagements. Yes, that's important, right. but are we making measurable? And again, the, the quantitative and qualitative both have to happen. So yeah. this is where the, the real, you know, kind of art of this comes in. How are we capturing the qualitative piece of that? And literally right before this meeting, I was on a call with one of our senior sales executives. Hey, do you have all the notes from that executive meeting that you just had? And we don't record, we don't have salespeople, et cetera, because we want it to be an open forum. Right. Yeah, no, and that's, it's, it's a great point. And I think we've got to wrap now, but there is still so much art to this. Amen. There's so much manual labor to this. You know, you can't, we can't automate our way yeah. all of this, especially at the C-suite level. Milo, thank you so much. Great conversation. Great to see you, Rob, and thank you so much for the opportunity. Thanks for listening to C-Suite Marketing. I hope you got at least a few new ideas. Let us know what you think and send along any questions or suggestions for upcoming episodes. And if you really enjoyed the show, do us a favor and tell two friends. Do us another favor and check out our sponsor, Boardroom Insiders, a business intelligence platform that makes executive engagement easier than ever. Boardroom Insiders helps you close bigger deals faster. Learn more at boardroominsiders.com. And don't forget to visit us at itsma.com for more on this podcast and more insight and inspiration on executive engagement, account-based marketing, thought leadership, and other B2B marketing priorities. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.